we have all been given the privilege of being able to meet with our Heavenly Father, the uncreated God and ruler and sovereign master of the entire universe. Each and every day, we have the opportunity to enlarge our personal relationship with him. And while we are pursuing him, he also is pursuing us. And he wants us to learn dependence, understanding that he knows all, and he is the GPS that is available to us. And so he invites all of us to the inter-room of prayer, the secret place, to let him talk to us and communicate his plans. We know that Jesus modeled to all of us what it meant to have a lifestyle of prayer. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus goes up to the mountain side, and there he begins to pray in the quietness. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus leaves his disciples, and then he makes his way to his secret place of prayer, the mountains, and there the Bible says he was alone. I want us to look at a very pertinent passage this morning in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse number 15. Chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And let's read verse 17 together out loud. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation. The Apostle Paul here is writing to this new congregation in Ephesus. It was located 400 miles west of Istanbul in Turkey. He commends them for their unwavering faith, commends them that in the community, their relationships are genuinely full of love and joy. And then, irrespective of the fact they were under incredible persecution, the religious leaders were after them, Many believers were losing their life, and yet when he writes to them, he says, I have been asking, I've been asking that you would have this wisdom 
a spirit of wisdom in the Greek there, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would be capable of cultivating a relationship that is personal, viable, and powerful. And the Holy Spirit is the person that is able to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we can engage at a level of reality and power. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that causes us to move to a place of prayer where we cannot do it in our own strength or might. And what he was saying was, there is available to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and insight from heaven that you now can know the Lord better. Still here? Then he says in verse number 19, he says, 18, I pray, remember he's praying for them, I pray you're going to know him better. And now he, he enters into another point of prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. It's interesting now that he is praying regarding their hearts. This says here, the eyes of your heart. One translation, the eyes of understanding. The Greek is the eyes of your heart. He talks about the eyes of their heart being enlightened. What does that mean? It means that when a truth comes, it so penetrates you and grips you that the consequence of that is that you now are changed. Not in your head, but in your heart. Our heart is the repository of all of our loves and the center where our spirit person is. It's the center of our being. In our Western culture, we have made our minds the center of our being. But God doesn't have our minds at the center of our being. It is our hearts that he wants to work with. It is the enlightenment. It is the opening up that goes beyond what you can think goes beyond your education, goes beyond your coolness, goes beyond your capabilities. And he says, listen, I'm praying for you. He doesn't mention persecution. He doesn't mention that circumstance would change. He said, listen, I want you to see a bigger picture. I want you to see a bigger perspective of your life. You're living over and your life is small, and I want you to see that you're not randomly on the earth. You're not just living life at a level of boredom, 
I want you to have a revelation. I want you to have your eyes opened. I want you, your heart to be open, the eyes of your heart to be open, so that you will begin to grasp something about your calling, the hope of his calling in your life that you know who you are. You're not just a person sitting on the sideline on the bench over here. You have been called, and your calling has made it possible for you to move from a sinner to being a person that now is made righteous, that you have moved from a person that lives in doubt. Now you live in faith. You have moved from being a failure to being blessed. He said, you're called. Get up. See it in your heart. Act like you know who you are. And that's what he's saying. But the calling is specific also. Because he wants us to have the calling of who we are. And that he wants us to know that we are called. We're not called to an insignificant life. We're not called to influence on a small level. With Christ in us, the eyes of our heart open, we can stand up and know who we are and know that God has called us for great things. However, everything begins in the secret place. Everything begins when we make a decision to become so dependent that we know we have to pray and we wanna pray. Many of the decisions that we have made are wrong ones that get down the wrong road and we're trying to pray our way out of the bad decision and he's saying, don't go that way. He's the GPS. He wants to show us. He has all knowledge. He knows what needs to be said. He knows what needs to happen. He knows the decisions that need to be made. He knows how to get you out of the quagmire. He knows how to get you out of of a barren life. But he says this, it's not going to happen. You have to get yourself into the quiet place and get your Bible out and your coffee, and you need to sit down and learn how to do something that is so rare in our culture, and that means solitude. Can you say that word? Quietness is deafening. Because we have to be on that phone, and by the way, I'm sure you know that studies are out now, secular, that that phone is addictive and technology is is addictive and they're calling for something to happen, not Christians, non-Christians. So we are bound by technology and it's good, but it, it runs counter to sitting down, no phone except your scriptures, And you wait. And when you wait, you can begin to pray as Dick Eastman came up with this plan here of some different aspects. You can take a picture of that. Some different aspects of prayer so that we can last more than three minutes. 
Just as we have to learn to, we learn to walk as a baby or ride our, our bike with some of those training wheels on it, prayer is something we have to learn. So that I have to learn how to sit. It may be in your truck. It may be outside. It may be on the back porch. But you have to sit. Because prayer is, first of all, not what you're asking God for. Prayer is not what you're asking God for. First, it's about the inner life. It's about my heart. Because in your heart, this is where you carry your burdens and all the stuff that's happened. Right here, right here. And when you're alone... And that second point says that we're waiting on God and there's a difference between waiting on God and listening because you're waiting on God, you're not specifically seeking direction on something. Our main deal is not direction. Our main deal is they're waiting on God that our hearts will be enlightened and we will begin to see things crumble that stop us and to heal our hearts and make us new and refresh our hearts. Nothing will refresh you. Nothing will refresh you. Not a Dr. Pepper. Nothing will refresh you. Not, nothing will refresh you like being in the presence of the Lord in your house, in your chair, where you're waiting on God and you are causing a revolution. Now, the next generation is not going to learn prayer unless they see you in your chair, dad, in your chair, father, mother, whoever you are, so they know that, that this is the normal Christian lifestyle, that we get up and what we do is we sit and we wait and we pray and we ask God to work in our lives. First of all, not asking, not trying to seek direction, but first of all, waiting and letting him quiet our souls. Amen. Out of the heart, everything happens. And when we do that, God is able to do something that is so amazing and so incredible that it is life-changing. I heard the, about the story of the six-year-old who somehow got lost in the White House many years ago. And the officials were trying to get to him and he would open a door and run down another hallway and just as they got to him, he head down another hallway and finally he turned and went down the hallway to the president's office and the president had told everyone, I don't want to be disturbed. And abruptly, this six-year-old boy came into the president's office. Immediately, the president stood up, opened his arms. The child ran, and he scooped him up and with laughter and a smile, embraced him. That was Tad Lincoln, a six-year-old, 
and the president, President Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, embracing his son in an important meeting. And that's the way the Lord scoops us up when we begin to get together with him and talk to him because he is our father and he's a good, good father. Hallelujah. You could like clap right there. That'd be good. That's why the Bible says, therefore, we are to come boldly before the throne of grace. It's not a throne of, of law. He says in Hebrews 4, 14, he's 16, he says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Let us remind ourselves in this meeting that there is a throne of grace. And our Heavenly Father is smiling at us. He's beckoning us. He's pursuing us. Even when we're going our own way, making the worst decisions, he's still saying, hey, hey, trying to get our, hey, 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 I'm here. I got the answers. I'm the GPS. Whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I'm too busy. I can't, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I can't, really? You don't know what you're doing, but you're busy and you can't meet with me and I have the answers. I don't know whether he says that's weird. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. I got a couple kids and we're busy and then I have two jobs and I got this and, and I'm, I'm never gonna pray. I, I'm never gonna pray till Jesus comes. Well, first of all, if you don't nurture your heart, then you carry all the burdens of life. And you'll probably die early because you're too busy to get in the secret place. So he beckons you, Ed, he, bought, he beckons you, Margaret. He beckons the students. He beckons us to come and in solitude to sit down and wait and read and then also on this plan here to have petitions, to ask him for things that are impossible. Notice he says here that we would be enlightened to know the hope of his calling. Every one of us who name the name of Jesus have been called to affect our world for Jesus Christ. We are called to share the good news that lives can be changed Families can be restored, marriages made new, and every sinner be forgiven. It is good news we share. It's not the evening news. <laughs> Say that again for those who are into news. It's not the news news, which is how bad 
and everything that went wrong in the whole world, we're gonna package that in 30 minutes and make you feel like it's bad in the world. So the gospel is good news. But if we don't see people as lost, like Jesus did, like he said in Luke 19, 10, he said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So we now, as Jesus' people, we have assumed his ministry. We do the seeking, he does the saving. We do the seeking and speaking, and then he does the saving. And every person everywhere needs to be saved from themselves and saved from their sins. And if they're not saved from their sins, they are lost. I don't know whether you've ever been lost before in a car or lost. You don't know where you're going. It's a crazy feeling. This last week, I was, uh, July 4, we were at the pool with someone in our congregation here, and we were talking there before the fireworks started in Altamont, and he said, I'm a first responder, and I said, tell me some stories. He said, well, I kind of work on the turnpike for 67 miles or so, and I said, hey, what do you see? He said, well... The other day, there was a young girl, 30 years old. She was texting her boyfriend. It was at night, and she was going 100 miles an hour and ran right up on a truck and was killed instantly. She said there were two other girls the other day that had been drinking evidently all night, and they were making their way to their house. They were going 110 miles an hour and hit a tree. Another person was late for work and they were cutting in and out of traffic like this and then the car overturned. Some of these people lost their lives and some are in critical condition. And he said, you wouldn't believe how many people are drinking and driving. Now, I know the 11 o'clock uh, service is unfamiliar with alcohol but I have been told that if you can get it down, it makes you feel good. I've always asked people, I said, what do you do if you already feel good? <laughs> I was in a restaurant picking up our dinner the other day and the bar was there and they're putting these drinks and I said, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm not out very often, and uh, mainly in my office. And I said, what does that drink cost? And had all kinds of, uh, and they said, $8. I said, $8. I almost cried. $8. That alone is a good, anyway. So, so alcohol, drugs, all these things, why, why? Why we need those? We need those because the heart is empty. And the heart is tired. And the heart wants to lift. So they have the diagnosis, they have the wrong answer. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what he is saying here, I'm praying, not that you don't have any persecution, I'm praying that the, the, your eyes are gonna be open, 
you'll begin to see that you have, it's the hope of his calling that you, sir, man, student, you're called. And you're called to share the good news with those around you. Amen. And I thought, how could we start a tremendous revolution here in this city, Church in the Sun? How could we see a movement of prayer that would end in a avalanche of people come to Christ? How could that happen? And I thought, well, let's see. When God wanted to do something in the world, he focused on one, and he sent Jesus. And then Jesus started this movement, and Jesus went out, and he had Andrew and John, two, were following him, and he said, come to my place. And he says, come and see. And so they come, and now Andrew goes out and gets one. He gets Peter. And then Jesus goes out and gets Philip, one. And then Philip goes out and gets Nathaniel. And after a while, there's a movement. And I thought, what would happen if every person in our family here would begin to focus on one? Say it, one. Say it a little louder, one, like uno. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, okay. One, uno. Say it, uno. One, hold your finger up, one. Hold it up, one, one. I mentioned last week in this meeting that one day at the gym, I was playing worship music, and this young man came over, asked for a church. And anyway, he was here last week at the one o'clock service, and he walked the aisle and gave his life to Christ. His name is Celine. 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 He's going to be my one. And then Mark. We're working together, little discipleship moments yesterday at the gym because that's where I evangelize is the gym. It's kind of like a setup. And uh, it's uh, an inside CIA covert operation. And Mark came to Christ last year. He's going to be in the one o'clock service. He is going to sit in the balcony up there. I said, okay. And so I'm working with Mark. You know, crazy things could happen around here. Because what would happen if we all, under that petition there, that maybe rather than focus on all the things we need, we sit down in the chair and we ask God to show us to one person that we can impart what he has done in our lives. Wouldn't that be amazing? One student at school. One friend at the gym. One friend at work. A waiter in the restaurant you go to often. One neighbor. One divine appointment where God divinely appoints you to a person and it just like happens because you're friendly. 
We have to be friendly and befriend people and be normal. And when we do that, God takes a preliminary conversation and a relationship building that before it's over or too far into the relationship, you're able there to share the good news that Jesus forgives, that Jesus gives another opportunity to every one of us that have gone the wrong way and done the wrong thing. It's amazing that people are lost, that people are searching. And there are those that are in this meeting this morning, this afternoon, you are searching. And your answer is not what you think it is. Your answer is in Jesus. And he is here to enlighten you. He is here to change your life and make all of us a part of a great movement of power. We are rethinking how we grow people in the congregation. We'll be presenting this in the days ahead. How do we take a person that comes to Christ and they become a world changer? I'm happy to say this morning that we will begin God First on August the 5th in between the 9 and 11 o'clock service in Gas Central. We're going to begin with about about 75, those that, and foundations and getting deeper in Christ is for everyone because everyone needs to deepen their foundations. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. That was one. That was encouraging. I'm, <laughs> I'm encouraged right now. Say that again, Pastor Jeff. Thank you. You want to come up and sit in the chair? Remember... We can cause a great movement of prayer because when we know the hope of his calling and we know who we are, we can literally change the world. I keep going back to May when we were in Asia and that morning, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock when we sat in this building in Seoul, Korea at Yoido Full Gospel Church and looked over at this crowd, a church of 880,000 people with massive levels of, church, of churches all over the city. They have literally turned that, that country from being Buddhist to being Christian. And you have to ask yourself, what is it that these people are doing? And what they are doing is they have thousands and thousands and thousands of small groups and the small group is filled with people who don't know Christ in the community. Then they come to church. And they are out making disciples. And they have realized the hope of his calling. And they are out and about making a difference. And that is what we have to believe. We have to believe that the harvest is plentiful. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says in verse 36, he says, he looked out on the crowd of people, and the Bible says that he, he noticed they were all lost. And then he said, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. 
When I have a compassion for a person I know that is eternally lost, and in my chair I pray for them, I befriend them, great things happen. Here it says in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful. Say that together. The harvest. Say it a little louder. Jesus saw a field and he likened the harvest to that field. So he was saying in the field, it's ready to go. You need to go in and collect the harvest. It is harvest time. With all the chaos and evil in the world, it's a setup for a move of God's spirit where we see literally thousands and thousands come to Christ. I want to ask every student and every person here to believe that by September 1, you will have some inkling on the one person, not two, not five, not ten, one. And let's start a movement here of prayer that leads us to take a whole community and see revival. Because remember the words of Jesus Christ when he said, you are the, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. We're a city on a hill. We have to be bright, and we have to shine by living for Jesus. The book of Acts is about a movement of people getting set free from sin. Why can't he do it again? Amen. Why can't we reenact the revival in Acts in those chapters where people were healed, delivered, set free? It can happen, and it will happen. Yes. And it will happen right here in Orlando, Florida. Just a moment, we're going to stand for a minute. I'm going to ask, unless it's an emergency, no one to leave because in the next few minutes, God is going to touch our hearts. Remember, after the word is preached, the Bible says these signs will follow them who believe. And after the word is preached, faith is exploding. And in that four or five minutes, miracles can happen. The depressed can be set free. The lonely can feel God near. The hopeless can rise in hope. And those that are about to take their life will let, will let Jesus take their life. This is our moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon us and puts his arms around us and he's able to take us where we can't go without him. There are no limits. There are no restrictions. 
says here, we have access to this incomparable power that has been given to us through Christ. So let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the down say, I'm getting up. Let the sick say, by his grace I have been healed. And let us all rise in faith and know that nothing can deter us. Nothing can stop us. We are his church. We are his people. And our eyes have been opened in our hearts. And we now know the hope of his calling. Cannot stop. We cannot be distracted. We cannot marginalize ourselves. We rise up because he can do it again. This can be a book of Acts right here where they were assembled and the Holy Spirit came upon them and the power of God broke out. And we say, come and do it again, Lord. Come and visit us. Come show us your glory. Heal your people and heal your land. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No one moving, would you just stand and just lift your hands and just ask him as they begin to sing, just let the Holy Spirit fall. I think there are gonna be signs and wonders right now. Just lift your hands in faith. No one moving for a minute. Great is your
Let's give him the glory. Every, every time that we are together, we always believe and expect that there will be some that will open their hearts to Christ. You know, we all go down this dark road and we kind of mess up our lives. Every person does that. And the enemy brings guilt, shame, and condemnation that annihilates who we are as a person. Not only does he send that upon us, he says, you'll never get out. There's no way. And we find ourselves being followers of the evil one. And he wants to keep us in the darkness our whole life. But Christ came and he said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus offers to all of us, not deserving, of it, but he offers us grace and he offers us mercy. And he says to us, you come, I'll change your life. And we have to make the decision to come without figuring everything out and understanding the how. But he beckons us with faith in our heart to move towards Jesus. And when we move towards Christ, that strong controlling power of evil begins to come off of us and we make a decision to follow the Lord. In just a moment, this can be your day. You might say, you don't know what I've done. I can say Christ knows what you've done the lady that was having sex with some guy and religious leaders brought him in and he showed grace and love, changed her whole life. No, there's no egregious sin that escapes the power in the cross, no matter what it is. This is your day to respond to his hand and his mercy and grace the undeserving come into grace and love. In a moment, I'm gonna to count to three. You say, listen, I'm gonna to pray to be forgiven. I'm gonna ask you to be courageous and bold. Put up your hand in a minute. Say, yeah, I'm getting out, getting out. I'm walking into a new life. One, two, three, put your hand up wherever you are. I'm getting out. Put it up. Yeah, more hands. Put them up. Put them up. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Get out. Yes. Put your hands up. Get up. Put them up. And I ask every person that raised your hand to walk down this aisle and just stand here for the closing prayer. Every person in the balcony, walk down the sides. Come. Come. Come, come, the balcony, come, 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 come to Jesus, come, come to Jesus, get out, get out of what you're in, 
come right now. Come to Jesus. that are coming is this uh, is this incredible all these people coming to Christ you remember in this room you, you didn't have the courage to walk that's okay Christ will meet you right there in your seat we're gonna pray a prayer because that's the way we come to Jesus because this is not about having Behavior modification, that's not it. It's about having our hearts changed, and he changes our life as we follow Jesus. It's about our hearts. It's about opening our hearts in faith. And it happens when we pray a prayer, we confess it out loud. Maybe in your chair back there, you can just whisper. You whisper, you'll hear your prayer. And some of you are watching from around the world in other nations, and this is your moment to pray this prayer. We're gonna pray this prayer. Pastor Dave, our new follower of Christ, pastor will take you to the side, give you some materials. Your next courageous step is to declare what Christ has done through water baptism. Let's not think about your sin, right, for a moment. Let's think about how big God is. A big Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray this prayer with our friends. And you that are here, that are backsliders, turn around, pray this prayer. Say it out loud. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you, that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace. The gift of righteousness. And eternal life. If you prayed that prayer from your heart. You are in the family. You're in the family. You're in the family.